0: It's been three months since February 2nd, prompting the question, has anyone checked to see how the Groundhog is doing? Still, May 2nd is the 122nd day of 2022, and we are now mathematically one-third of the way through. Perhaps nothing is still. In any case, this is Charlottesville Community Engagement, and I remain, Sean Tubbs, here for another week and another month of newsletters and podcasts that are hopefully informative. On today's program, Charlottesville crews are taking down dead ash and oak trees this week. COVID cases are up sharply across Virginia this morning. And City Council will take up two land use items tonight, one of which would double the already approved residential density on a plot of land near the University of Virginia. In today's first subscriber-supported shout-out, The Piedmont Master Gardeners are pleased to announce the return of their annual plant sale. That's happening on Saturday, May 7th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Albemarle Square Shopping Center. The sale will offer thousands of annuals, perennials, shrubs, vegetables, herbs, and houseplants, including a large selection of native plants. In addition, shoppers can purchase garden implements, yard ornaments, and other green elephants Have their tools sharpened by an expert or drop off their surplus plastic nursery pots for recycling. The sale will also feature a help desk for gardening questions and information tables on native plants, soil and composting, invasive plants, conservation landscaping and much more. For more information, visit PiedmontMasterGardeners.org. As the week and month begin, it's worth checking in with the COVID-19 pandemic statistics in Virginia. Brace yourselves for this number. The Virginia Department of Health reports another 4,192 new cases today, and the seven-day average for positive PCR tests is at 9.8%. The seven-day average for new tests is at 1,870 new cases a day. However, these cases have not yet resulted in a higher number of people in the hospital for COVID. According to the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association, there are 166 COVID patients currently in hospital care across Virginia, and 28 are in intensive care units. 11 are on ventilators. Those numbers are drastically lower than three months ago, when the Omicron surge was at its peak. On Friday, the Virginia Department of Health reported 1,705 new cases. That's the same day that the UVA Health System held its weekly COVID briefing, which included Chief Executive Officer Wendy Horton. She encouraged vigilance.
1: Among our employees and our workforce, we are seeing an uptick of community um exposure of, of COVID. So it isn't it isn't uh going away in our community. And um I think a lot of friends and family are, are experiencing that this,
0: this week. Dr. Kosti-Safri, the director of hospital epidemiology at the University of Virginia, said the actual case counts are likely much higher due to the number of home testing and due to the spread of a variant of Omicron.
1: They're increasingly more more transmissible. And um, because of that, um, it's very reasonable to take precautions. Masking works. It has always worked. It will continue to work.
0: Dr. Sifri also encouraged people to investigate whether it is a good time for them to take an additional booster, if eligible.
1: I think the first and foremost thing is to, to make sure that you're fully vaccinated, that you've uh, completed your, um, I think you know, we would consider three-dose vaccine series.
0: With allergy season in play, Dr. Sifri recommends self-testing to protect those you spend a lot of time around. Your sniffles or scratchy throat that you may wish to attribute to um, hay fever may not be that, um, but it it could be a a sign of COVID and to, to test yourself. The Friday briefing also covered another emerging medical issue across the globe. So far, there are no cases at the University of Virginia of severe unexplained cases of hepatitis in children, but doctors are keeping an eye out. Dr. Debbie Ann Shirley is a pediatric infectious disease specialist who says more study is needed after an alert went out in late April.
1: Both the um, CDC and the Virginia Department of Health put out health advisories um, to notify health care providers about an increase in um, clusters of uh, cases of severe liver disease in children, which we call
0: hepatitis. One potential commonality is an adenovirus, which can cause a variety of different ailments. The United Kingdom has seen a relatively high number of cases, some of which have required liver transplants.
1: It's really the severity of these um, cases in young children that's causing concern and alarm, and the reason that we want to investigate urgently to find out more information.
0: Local physicians are encouraged to reach out to UVA health officials if they see pediatric patients with elevated levels of liver enzymes that are otherwise unexplained.
1: For parents who are trying to um, understand what to do when they hear this message, I think for them, if they see signs and symptoms of hepatitis in their children, then to talk to their health care provider and get them evaluated.
0: That includes yellowing of the eyes and skin, belly pain, and fatigue. I'll have more on both COVID and this hepatitis issue as time moves on. The biological war between the emerald ash borer and ash trees is still being waged, but it's very much in favor of the invasive species. That's been confirmed by the city's new urban forester, Steve Gaines. He told me in an email Friday afternoon that the beetle larvae tunnel under the bark That damages the nutrient and water flow throughout the tree. They usually die within two to five years after the initial infection. This morning, Charwitzville's Parks and Recreation Department began moving six dead ash trees at the intersection of McIntyre Road and West Main Street. That will take place until Wednesday between 8 a.m. and 4 p.m. and motorists can expect delays. Gaines said it is hard to tell how many more ash trees across the city will die, but there will be a focus on removing ones that can cause harm. Gaines said the city is seeking to treat some ash trees with injections, but this often requires a landowner or organization to help cover the cost of treatment. Later in the week, crews will remove three dead oaks from Belmont Park. Gaines said there are many possibilities for why those have died. The Charlottesville Tree Commission meets virtually Tuesday at 5 p.m. A veteran with 23 years of experience on the Charlottesville Fire Department has been named as the city's new fire marshal. Joe Phillips will replace Deputy Chief Joe Powers, who had been in charge of community risk reduction. According to a release, Phillips joined the department in January of 1999 as a firefighter and medic. He has served as battalion chief and has been in the fire marshal's office since 2017. That's where the fire department's Office of Community Risk Reduction is located. A national search is underway for a new deputy chief for risk reduction. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and it's time for three quick shout-outs. Code for Charlottesville is seeking volunteers with tech, data, design, and research skills to work on community service projects. Founded in September of 2019, Code for Charlottesville has worked on projects with the Legal Aid Justice Center, the Charlottesville Fire Department, and the Charlottesville Office of Human Rights. Visit codeforseville.org to learn about those projects. For the middle shout-out, I'd like to take the opportunity to wish my nephew, Ryan Craig, a happy 29th birthday. Where did the time go? And the final shout-out today comes from another Patreon supporter who wants you to go out and read a local news story, written by a local journalist. Whether that be The Daily Progress, Charlottesville Tomorrow, Seville Weekly, NBC29, CBS19, WINA, or some other place I have not mentioned, The community depends on a network of people writing about the community. Go learn about this place today! Last month, the Charlottesville Planning Commission recommended approval of one land use item and recommended the denial of another at a joint public hearing with City Council. That was on April 12th. Tonight, City Council will hold final votes on both of them. The first is on the consent agenda. Southern development seeks an increase of residential density at 209 Maury Avenue near the University of Virginia. Here is city planner Matt Alfily. The subject
1: properties were rezoned from R2U, residential two-family university, to R3 with proffers in December 2019. The original plan called for residential development with 33 units. The
0: new proposal calls for the same configuration, but removes the parking under building two to accommodate additional units. The new maximum count would be 64 units. As part of the proffers, six affordable units would be built by Habitat for Humanity of Greater Charlottesville at the Flint Hill Development in the Frye Spring neighborhood. Flint Hill is also being developed by Southern Development, and that rezoning required eight affordable units. Habitat will be building those as well. Charlie Armstrong is vice president at Southern Development. Yes, it would create more units uh, by approving this SUP. If we have more density on this site, it does create more affordable units. Um, those would either be off-site, uh, and we like the idea of doing them with habitat at Flint Hill. Um, we need to get Flint Hill through the approval process and, and build Armstrong said University of Virginia students do not drive as much, but the company has agreed to develop a parking plan for the site. They'll also build a seven-foot sidewalk along Maury Avenue. An existing structure on the property will be kept as part of the project. The commission voted unanimously to recommend the increase. Council has opted to put it on their consent agenda rather than discuss it in open session tonight. In the other matter, developer Bill Chapman is seeking permission to convert an apartment complex on 14th Street into a hotel. Here's city planner Danon O'Connell. Subject property is currently developed with a 21-unit multifamily condominium use, and the applicant wishes to renovate the existing building to accommodate a 19-unit hotel with one residential apartment. The structure was originally built as a hotel in 1964, but was converted to apartment use sometime later. Tonight's consideration by council comes just over a year after the city adopted an affordable housing plan that seeks to increase the number of residential units within the city, and nearly six months after a new comprehensive plan was adopted. Their proposed redevelopment does meet some of the 2021 comprehensive plan's goals regarding sustainable reuse of existing buildings protecting the existing identity of city neighborhoods and retaining successful businesses and jobs. Uh, The proposed change of use would also result in a reduction of available rental housing within the city in this area. However, the existing apartment use is nonconforming in nature and located in an area of dense residential apartments geared towards short-term student housing. Much of the discussion at the Planning Commission was whether the residential units should be removed from circulation. Commissioner Rory Stolzenberg noted that the units rented at what would appear to be what's known as naturally occurring affordable housing.
1: Uh, the studio uh, rents um, for
0: $770
1: a month, um, and that includes uh, utilities, Um you know, then I go look, uh, you know, what that is in terms of um, AMI.
0: Uh, and it's right around like the 45% um, AMI range uh, for a one person household. O'Connell said the application made clear that none of those units were participating in a subsidized program requiring the rents to be that low. Here's a comment from Planning Commissioner Liz Russell.
1: Yeah, I, I just want to um, echo that. Like, the reason these units are affordable is because they're older.
0: Uh, And so people can afford to live in them. Developer Bill Chapman said the conversion would be similar to what he and his business partners did at the Oakhurst Circle and Inn Project at the corner of Jefferson Park Avenue and Jefferson Park Avenue.
1: My partners and I own nine buildings over here on the south side of UVA and Oakhurst Gildersleeve Historic District. And some of them are apartments and some are private homes and some are hotel rooms.
0: Chapman said he thought the end result of the renovations of those buildings has made some of those streets better than they had been. He said he wants to do the same at 207 14th Street.
1: The block just down the hill from this property on 14th Street is one of the dirtiest blocks in the whole city in terms of trash and we have to sort of transform that a little bit because it'd be in the hospitality business and needs to look good.
0: Chapman said the apartments are run down and cheap because they are old hotel rooms. He is a contract purchaser and currently does not own the structure. He said financing their renovation as an apartment would result in much higher rents. This
1: property was built as a motel. And I think it's best operated as a hotel, especially since it needs this new life brought to it. Um, for renovation. Now, could it go for a few more years as an apartment building? Yeah. Could it go for 20 more years as an apartment building?
0: No. Russell said she did not think the people living in the apartment were necessarily students.
1: We have to remember that not just students live in the area around the university, but it seems like a pretty great proximity to the UVA health system to UVA. I mean, so many people can't live in this community, let alone proximate to um, UVA.
0: Russell said she would vote to recommend denial because housing is more important than hotel rooms. Commissioner Kareem Habab also could not support it.
1: This is currently exactly the missing metal housing that we're trying to <laughs> develop in the city. And um, given our you know affordable housing, issue. I just cannot see how this would help with that.
0: The commission voted four to two to recommend denial, and now it's up to council to make a decision tonight. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. This edition for May 2nd, May brings forth new things. And I'm producing this one under a slightly different digital audio workstation. Can you tell? I want to thank everybody who has supported this program so far thank you to all the patreon subscribers for their may payments if you'd like to get in on the patreon action you can look at a patreon post that i posted yesterday and one i posted today go look at patreon you can get a link for that in infoseville.com. if you subscribe to this program through substack the company ting will match your initial payment You've heard these things before or maybe you haven't maybe this is your first episode if it is welcome you can expect more of the same coming up later this week in charlottesville community engagement i'm your host sean tubbs in the meantime stay hydrated stay depollinated if you're allergic to the world like i am and uh you know stay cool i guess and stay classy stay all the things uh but you know maybe soon you'll be able to stay in that hotel thanks for listening And goodbye.